Hey, what's up? Today I am talking to Cody, the vocalist of a band called Silver Chord, a newer band from the Dallas area. They got some really good music videos and a new EP. And uh, like, check out their music video for their song called Never Sun. Really good stuff. Really ambient metalcore with some good electronics. It's the good stuff. And we'll get straight into the interview right after I tell you guys about the Browning tour that is coming up in Texas, Missouri, Colorado, Oklahoma, and uh, oh, and Albuquerque. Got that going on too. And make sure you guys pick up some VIPs. Uh, if you go to moshvip.com slash the Browning, you can pick up an exclusive merch package that I have just for this run. And even if you're not going to the tour, you can pick up this merch package because I'm doing an online VIP as well. I'll ship it straight to you, straight from me. The only time you can get this merch is through this VIP. And Mosh VIP is actually owned by me and Hardcore Keem as well. It is our new company to do VIPs for bands. So you're not only supporting the Browning, but also a company that me and Hardcore Keem have started. So head over to moshvip.com slash the Browning. Pick up this exclusive merch for this run. And uh, yeah, also come out and see us on tour. So let's get into this interview. And I am Johnny McBee, and you're listening to the Burn This World podcast. All right, I am here with Cody Warden. How are you doing today? Dude, I'm fantastic. Stoked to be here. Sweet. This this is two Cody's in a row on episodes. I had my drummer, (laughs) Cody, and now I got you. I actually noticed that looking at the Spotify. <laughs> but hey, I'm I'm down with it. And uh so far no Cody's that I don't get along with, so right on. <laughs> and uh your band, uh for anyone that doesn't know you guys, can you do a little a quick little intro for you, for your for everyone? Yeah, uh we are we're Silver Chord. We're a pretty uh new band up and coming out of Dallas metal core you guys just started up during covid right yeah we had actually an ep before covid but uh we started working you know we kind of started back up again right before the pandemic hit so yeah and yeah, we're we're metalcore band in the vein of like North Lane era that type of stuff so yeah it got really good melodics and it's got that like kind of uh dark you know kind of sad boy tones but still really nice and heavy but i mean gotta have the sad boy tones right definitely (laughs) and the music video is a really good quality i appreciate that man i we worked really hard on those like basically just did them ourselves yeah and i was really satisfied with how they came out yeah yeah i mean it in your you guys are in the dallas area and I just feel like there's a lot more creative people in the Dallas area. I actually moved down to Dallas to start the Browning full time just because it seemed like a place that had a lot of interesting creative people. Yeah, I definitely agree, man. There's a, the scene here is like exploding, especially like you, you, did you play South by, or uh, I'm sorry. So what? I always want to <laughs> call calling it South it, by. I keep calling it South <laughs> by too. <laughs> Uh, no, but me and my wife, we went there and hung out all weekend. So we were there watching bands and everything. Right on. That's what I saw. How did you yeah, feel dude, about just it? Like the, it's huge, man. I didn't get to make it, unfortunately. I had wanted to. And then, of course, I ended up moving this weekend like it happened. <laughs> so just 
life, you know, but it looked huge, man. And honestly, I really wanted to play it. Yeah. <laughs> they asked that's like us our to, goal next time. Yeah. They asked us to play it, but it was like at the time with everything going on in, with the pandemic, I didn't know when tours were happening or how things would line up with what the fest was doing. But uh, have you been to South by before though? Or so oh yeah, multiple times. Yeah, I went yeah. to. I've been going to it since it was South by. You know, so that's why I keep wanting to call it that too. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's it was huge festival. though. Like, yeah, and they had that whole like local stage and just you know so many good DFW bands. Mm-hmm. Who who do you think's on top of the DFW bands currently? Dude, uh, that's a hard question, man. I mean, I have like my favorites, and then I, I have ones you know that are obviously I'm like they're killing it. I mean, Unity, bro. They're, yeah, that's like that tour they're about to go on with what, like Holding Absence and some other huge names. They got Silverstein. Silverstein, yeah, that's what I was trying to think of. That's just like an insane lineup. Yeah, they're they're really they killing those it. Guys. In, in Dallas. I mean, like I said, there's it's just kind of there's so many musicians and so many really really good bands, and it's good to see people coming out of there. And I I just had Jay on the podcast too. Um, I saw that, yeah, man. And I mean, those guys are kind of like I wouldn't even call them local at this point. But yeah. then you got uh, you know Lost in Separation, some dudes in Trinity. Those are all good friends of ours. Like honestly, too many to, to name, bro. <laughs> is so with uh, how your band is. You've been involved in the scene for a while, but Silver Court is newer, and so uh, do you have the connections in the Dallas area with these bands and promoters to really, whenever things get back in the swing, to really start hitting shows and festivals really hard. Like, what's your guys' plan as far as uh, kicking things into gear? I mean, I don't have the connections I used to have. I was kind of out of the scene for a minute and we just started playing shows. And thankfully, like, you know, there's a noise rot. We're friends with them. They're uh, kind of a starting, a startup promoter. They held this like 420 event show for us back uh, on the 26th of April. And it was, it was a good time, man. And we, they let us headline and stuff. So we're definitely getting good opportunities it's just i'm trying to take it to the next level you know and play play some big tour packages and even do our own little runs and what's your what do you think the trajectory is for that like what's your your plans to make that happen because that's like a that's a big step that's a big leap it definitely is man uh i mean it wouldn't be till like probably we're we're actually finishing up another little ep i'm going to record that soon so i think after after that, our goal would shift from kind of more of like an internet presence, shifting to more of like definitely get on the road. And, and you guys uh, are assigned. You guys got picked up even so quickly. Yeah, we're on we're on Famine Records, and I mean they're they're definitely a smaller label. They don't have much tour support for us, but that's actually something she was talking to us about. Uh, I, she knows some people. Uh, Chelsea, she's the label owner. She's super awesome. She's definitely helped us like way more than we would have on our own. Uh, we just hit like twenty five thousand monthly on Spotify the other day, which is crazy to me. So. Yeah, that's that's huge. Uh, and I mean, it's yeah. there's nothing wrong with um, being with kind of a startup label. There's some labels that really are known for getting bands going and. 
uh, like Pluto Records comes to mind that, you know, they got like Azalea Dying started up and a bunch of big metalcore bands back in the early 2000s. And I think there's really good um, argument for basically not signing with the biggest label possible up front because it kind of gives you a little more um, homegrown feel and gets you in the door and doing more stuff on your own than expecting so much from a huge label. Like if you're with more of a local label or a smaller label, like you still have a lot of stuff on your own shoulders as well. Um, and there's no expectation of some, you know, if you, if you went and signed with rise right off the bat, you'd be expecting the world, but realistically you'd get nothing, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's pretty much how we saw it too. It was like, we're not ready for, the big dream labels yet, but this label will take us further than we would on our own. And it's like a stepping stone. So yeah, I definitely am glad that we had that opportunity. Yeah. And so there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are in um, bands that are starting up or on musicians that are looking kind of in the same route. Um, and so just for their perspective, like how is this label actually beneficial to you guys rather than being independent? They basically helped me like not waste my money trying to do things that aren't actually effective, you know, like Facebook ads and all there's so much to it. And we kind of just narrowed it down to running Instagram ads, like to direct you to Spotify and that type of stuff and TikTok. And they just really had helped me instead of me basically just experimenting with random stuff on my own, like, well, let's try that. You know, they helped me really like pinpoint what's effective, like what's worth spending money on, like how you're actually like, you know, where you're actually growing instead of just numbers that are basically just fake numbers. Yeah. And uh, so did you guys experimented with different avenues like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, like running ads in different spots? Yeah, the pri- primarily for this EP Umbral we did, it was just like all, it was 90% Instagram ads, I'd say, that are just like clips of our music videos that direct them to Spotify. Or it, actually, it's like a landing page, you know, that has all the links. But yeah, uh, that really, we had, I think, like three or four ads that just were running consistently. And they racked up like thousands of views and clicks and stuff. And so that's that was something that I had never done. And, and it and just, just for like transparency, like how much money are these ads running on? Well, we actually had a really cheap ad budget, I'd say. So for what we spent, it was about six hundred dollars per song. Yeah. And that was divided up like you know, most of that was put into the Instagram ads. Yeah. And the, is that so per it, single? Per single, yeah. Yes, and there's two music videos, right? Uh, three, actually. Three. The first one, though, was self-released, the first one. And I put, I don't even, I'm not even sure how much. I ran like a, a YouTube ad. It's like what I'm saying. I, I ran a YouTube ad and I didn't know what I was doing. And sure, the video got like 20,000 views or whatever. But in terms of like, growth and like actual likes and people following it to our Spotify. It was pretty hollow. It was just fake numbers. Yeah. And so you were getting views, but no like clicks that led to any sort of like actual gain. Yeah. The organic growth that you actually want. But, but Instagram you felt actually was being beneficial in that way. 
Yes. I, I, I mean, I can't tell you exactly how Chelsea did it and how their team, yeah. if Famine handles it, you know, I don't really see that side, but they definitely had it set up where there was like a broad ad. And then there was ads that were more specifically targeted to people that have like actually clicked on our content and that type of stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's good to hear because there doesn't need to be these huge budgets. I mean, for a band that's starting out doing $1,800 to get your band up to 20,000 monthly listeners on Spotify is feasible and like super worth it as long as it's done right. But you're working with a good team that knows what they're doing. And so that... That's that's really I feel like a a hopeful story to other people because it's like it worked. You didn't have to get, you know, crazy lucky and sign this massive deal. You didn't have to drop ten thousand dollars onto ads. Like it's it seems like it's actually a feasible goal for people. Yeah, definitely, man. And that's what I'm people have been asking me for advice lately. And that's really like the only thing I've I've been saying is just spend your money on ads that are going to be worth it mm-hmm. and find, find honestly find someone that can help you with it. If you're just in a band and you're trying to like, I'm going to drop some money on this, like whatever, run this ad. I would not suggest doing that. If you're going to spend the money, find someone who knows what the hell they're doing, you know? Yeah. And there's, there's companies that you can hire as a band too. Like, even if you don't sign to a label, you can hire like a marketing team. Like, you pay them X amount of exactly. month and then they put the money into certain places. And so you can find those people. It's just, you know, music promotions and, you know, that kind of deal. And uh, it is easy to find those. Um, and they'll gladly take your money and they'll put it in the right spot, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and definitely don't buy likes. Don't buy freaking followers. Don't buy any of that. Don't do of that. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that kill, kills you in the end. It really way. does. I mean, even um, there was a really bad issue with this back whenever like the Browning first started um, or like first started gaining momentum because it was like these bands that were smaller than us would drop music videos, but they'd get like astronomical views, like 5 million plays in, in like two months. And it's like at that time period in like 2010s, everyone was just, they were spending 500 bucks like marketing budget on fake views because they thought fake views would get them more views over time. You know, it's just it's such yeah. a bad problem of buying these fake views. I'm, I'm glad that it seemingly has kind of gone away from that because I think YouTube cracked down on it. They like removed a ton of views off of videos and did all sorts of stuff like that. It was, it was a really bad like time where even we were like like are we supposed to do this too <laughs> like what are we supposed to do like we look like i well, remember those days <laughs> it was bad i mean even like you know the these really small 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 bands getting hundreds of thousands of views the first day their album their music video drops i'm like that's not possible <laughs> and it it really does stuff like that screws you in the algorithm because like especially on like Instagram and if you buy fake followers on Instagram, the algorithm doesn't know how to properly push your stuff to people that would actually like your music. Like because it has all these fake profiles that aren't relevant to your stuff, so it's trying to find people in those fake profiles algorithm, and it just it doesn't help you at all. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's brutal, dude, and. I would say that still exists to an extent, like on yeah. Instagram sometimes, like I'll, I'll see a, a band. I'm like, dang, man, I'm, they have like, you know, 30,000 followers. I've never heard of them. Mm-hmm. If you go look at their posts, the engagement's like a hundred something likes. Maybe. Yeah. So then 
when I see that, I'm always like, how does that happen? You know, how do they have so many followers, but like no likes? Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that that could be rollover from that era of um, possibly when, yeah. when everyone was using bots and these people got up to, you know, 50, 60,000 followers or whatever. But now all those bots are dead. And so they're just, you know, stuck with the little fans they have. And the, yeah. what, what people don't understand is like, it is much better to have a small, like niche fan base that's highly dedicated than a very large one that doesn't give a crap. And it's like, you're better off with a 5,000 followers that love everything you do than you are with a hundred thousand followers that none of them care. For sure, man. We've been kind of getting that intimate little following going, you know, like it feels really good, honestly, being able to, like reply to everyone and basically see like every compliment that people are saying about you. Definitely. And that's, that's like a era of the Browning that I, I kind of miss. And like, there's no reason I can't be doing that as well, but I feel like something over the past, I don't know, however many years, five years or something that not has got me jaded, but has, has drawn me away from the personal interactions with like each fan. Um, and it is something that I very much miss. And so that's, um you guys are starting to gain a fan base that is uh like becoming diehard and you're starting to see that and so how does that feel for you dude it's kind of surreal but at the same time it's like what you know finally type thing i put (laughs) so much work and money and time into it when did you start doing vocals i have been doing vocals since i was probably like 15 i'm about to be 30 but i mean i wasn't in a band till uh, 18. I played my first show at 18 <clears throat> here in, in Arlington, actually. <laughs> what did you play with? Uh, it was like a local show at this tat, uh, tattoo shop called the, the Crypt. And I remember Mouth of the South headlined, I want to um, say. Yeah, I remember and that. <laughs> I think Parables and like some other. I don't know, man. It seems like forever ago now. It kind of was, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. And uh, so whenever you played after playing your first show, um, is that something that like, what was the thing that sparked your interest of like, you know what? I actually want to try to pursue this to a more serious extent. Dude, that, I mean, just playing a few shows and we actually... I actually moved out of state for a little bit, like right after we started playing shows. And I, when I moved back, we had a, like a comeback show and it was with the, the Acacia strain, like just the Acacia strain. And it was, you know, Tomcats West. I'm, I'm yeah. guessing you remember that venue. It was, yeah, it was there sold out. So it was first show I had played in like a long ass time. And I came, we come back and it was just sold out with like one of my favorite bands at the time. And I feel like that show, like really, just like, man, this is what I'm supposed to do. Or like what I really, this is my calling, you know, so, <laughs> that yeah. was the first like big, big show that we ever played. It's funny. Uh, one of the first Browning's big shows was Acacia strain as well. Hell yeah. yeah. I mean, they've <laughs> been around forever now. So <laughs> yeah. And, and they, they're one of those bands that they're, they draw a lot of heads, but they're not like a unobtainable band to play with. So it's like, you know, at the time when the Browning was blown up, like, you know, attack attack or not attack attack. Ask Alexandria. You know, we could have wished to play with a band like that, but that's like unobtainable almost as like a a new band that's trying to get out there. But 
bands like uh, Acacia Strain or say Impending Doom or you know Oceano, those are bands that are big, draw numbers, but you can actually get to open for them as an opening band. And so really appreciate bands like that because um, not only for locals, but smaller up and coming bands, they actually support uh, you know, get them out on the tours and get smaller bands out there. So, yeah, I mean, that's funny. Your your first big show is a case strain, and mine was also a case strain. That's pretty funny. <laughs> that's awesome, dude. Yeah, and like, yeah. are you more into the realm of heavier stuff? Because like, you guys are you know metalcore, but you're not like you know a case strain heavy or you know anything like that. I I like it all, man. I mean, I like nowadays. I'm kind of more into like synth heavy like production wise of, of music you know like the new north lane yeah and uh the new thornhill that like just came out friday mm-hmm. those are like on repeat for me spirit box just move uh, to australia stop messing around <laughs> i should we should man i mean on our <laughs> spotify our second top city is sydney so I'm really just like, all right cool That's interesting <laughs> i wonder if that has to do with like your sound because it is that more kind of ambient metalcore it has to be and because like i mean every other metal band i know is it's all like america and then russia and then like germany yeah we have germany is like our third or something like that yeah so why do you think it is australia i i would just say like the sound yeah and then we recorded at atrium audio which is where like polaris and uh some other era north uh trying to think august burns red Mm -hmm. you know some bigger bands have definitely recorded there so i feel like it's just somehow like in the algorithm it did, got did you guys do targeted those. ads to like north lane yeah definitely yeah so i, I guess some, so that would make sense because i mean you anyone running ads would want to target to like the target audience of fan base you want to gain and so that would make sense and i mean north lane's sick and i, I get your stuff is relevant to that sound wise very melodic and you know uh kind of breakdown heavy stuff yeah we're actually it's funny because on our we're writing some new stuff and it's a little more synth heavy in some parts and uh there was like a couple parts where we were jokingly like oh man this sounds like the browning <laughs> <laughs> just because it's says it was so uh synth reminiscent yeah well i mean it's uh i think synths just fit with metal so well because the metal side can just be what makes it metal, but then you get so much melody from so much, so many different layers of synths, and it's not like a, an ambient guitar that can basically only sound like two ways. And where it's like a yeah. synth, you can you have infinite amounts of possibilities. For sure, dude. I've been, I mean, I've been listening to the Browning since the first album, dude. Yeah, and <laughs> I think I, I almost feel like my old band was called the Akashic Record, and part of me feels like i maybe opened for a show or like something i can't remember for sure i mean i started the browning in dallas so it you yeah you probably definitely did at some point and um i want to say we did man i can't remember uh dude i i think yeah i think it was on like a flyer that had the burn this world album cover or something he remembers the acacia strain show but completely forgets the browning show typical (laughs) <laughs> don't call me out <laughs> no i mean it, when so many shows blend together over the course of time it it really happens. yeah it's kind of it's wild I, I wish i could remember a lot more of them like more clearly 
some of them, I guess I was like drinking or smoking too much. And I'm just <laughs> like, man, I cannot remember that. shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a big issue. A lot of bands have their first time going to Europe as they party so hard that they're like, wait, where am I? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's the dream right there. I can't wait till, uh, like I was saying earlier, we're, we're trying to get on the road and, uh, Chelsea are the fan that owner. She, she was telling us we can, we might be able to talk to dynamic mm-hmm. for like touring and stuff, you know? So that's a huge goal for us right now is to just even do like a, a few States, just get on the road for the first time. Yeah. I mean, they, a lot of bands do the, what they call the weekend warrior where it's like, you just play a couple yeah. of regional shows, go out, play like two or three starting on Thursday, get back on Monday. And I think that's a good way to at least like get your feet wet a little bit. And cause really like touring is not for everybody. Uh, like the Brownings original guitarist, he lasted one tour, um, you know, and other members only lasted yeah. a, a tour or two. And so it's like, you kind of got to get out there before you like, Hey y'all, let's go jump on 60 days. It's like, maybe someone would realize within like five days, nah, I ain't doing this. For sure. That's a, that's some good advice. Yeah, it's it really is. It's there's a lot of things that people expect how it would be, but then it's like way more stressful, <laughs> and like way more dirty, way more grimy. Not as like it's a lot more boring. You think you sit around a lot and just kind of play. I get more nowadays. I guess play on the phone like all the time, but. I don't know. It's it's going to be a new era. Like I mean, I haven't even toured in three years now. Yeah, it feels it's weird. crazy, man. Yeah, <laughs> that was the fastest two years of my life. Yeah, for real. I mean, so much stuff changed, and I mean, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see when things kind of kick back in. How how touring feels, how shows feels, how's the crowds feel. I don't know. I mean, so what is what popped off pretty good? Have you been going to shows in Dallas? I've gone to a few. I haven't been going like regularly yet. What's what's the best one you've seen recently? Uh, I went and saw Animals as Leaders there at House of Blues pretty recently. I think that was the last show I went to. How pretty like, sure. I want I really wanted to watch Polyphia uh so what, but the one of the stages the power kept going out and I was trying to watch Broken Side and so like the stage got real delayed <laughs> and it made me miss uh Polyphia, but I've never watched an instrumental band live, but like, how is the crowd? Cause animals as leaders is instrumental as well. Like how does the crowd move to stuff like that? Like or react? I mean, they had a few like mosh fits open up, you know, just kind of like jumping around for some of the heavier parts, but it was mostly just cheering and head banging and stuff. Yeah, I mean, like, I was, I was definitely just bobbing my head hard. They, animals as leaders was, they sounded so nuts live, dude. their tone and just everything was, crazy yeah. so a lot of stuff like that is like standing and watching and being like holy crap Just he can actually blown play away it. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i mean bands like that it, it is 100 you're just like wow each of these musicians is crazy and if there was vocals on it it would take away that's how i feel yeah the drummer just like went off on this improvised added drum solo for like two minutes you know Heck yeah insane <laughs> best drummer ever yeah I the currently I think one of the most impressive drummers in metal is the uh, Austin from Lorna Shore. Like his his consistency and his speed is just insane. Like he's especially Definitely. live, he's so consistent. It's crazy. 
Do you know Bryce Butler from Shadow of Intent? Uh, I've watched videos, but I, I don't know. Yeah, he, he's from Dallas. He moved recently, but he actually started Silver Cord with us originally. Oh, okay. And ended up basically going on to be in huge things. So can't blame him. <laughs> and that happens, especially dude. with drummers. Like drummers seem to be the one that bands are like desperately in need of good ones. Uh, and so, especially in the modern world where everyone's playing to click tracks, like you'd have to. This drummer is like the most important person at the show, <laughs> really. Absolutely, and he's crazy good. So he, yeah, he's. I'm so glad that he's found a band that like fits his exact style and sound and everything and they're yeah. just like taking off now it's awesome and uh i mean with like him being your original drummer but being in dfw you guys were able to pick up someone else probably just as good <laughs> he's <laughs> he's just as good in like a groove standpoint he, i mean it's it was like different worlds man if we have our first ep it's called flora and it's it's a lot more like progressive and just kind of uh, riffy, mm-hmm. not nearly as like breakdown esque. So after Bryce left, we picked up our boy John and kind of shifted our sound to that more uh, traditional like metalcore era, invent animate yep. type stuff. Yeah, and I mean, I I think that that is um the nice thing about that genre, <clears throat> like that style of metalcore, is like. I feel like it's more listenable uh, in a lot of different ways. There's obviously more melodic singing, but also just the melody behind the metal too. Kind of gives almost like an easy listening like feel at times, but they're still very aggressive, so it can pop off live. Yeah. That's our goal, man. Just blending those catchy choruses with moments that are like the best of both worlds, just slamming breakdowns. Heck yeah. I really like our, our new stuff we're working on. It has like a little bit more of a new metal vibe to it. New metal Just, in what way? Vocals like, or uh, riffs? A little bit of every little bit of everything is kind of pushing it to that like new new age, new wave type of metal you, core. You doing some chocolate starfish? You rapping? What are you doing? <laughs> I might be. I hey. might throw a little bit. Everyone's gotta rap a little bit. <laughs> We'll see how it sounds. There's there's one verse that we wrote, and I'm just like, I have to do something like that over that verse. Yeah, so we haven't got to that point yet. Yeah, and I mean, it's uh, it's kind of in that realm where I feel like a lot of people are doing, like a lot of bands have so many different like subgenres they're covering. Like, there's a very few amount of bands that I think are just like straightforward, like the same thing throughout. I think a lot of like even like Wage War was throwing in some rap. Uh, you know, people are doing all sorts of stuff all over the place. Do you think that's a good thing or do you think it kind of makes everything very all over the place? Dude, I'm all for it. Honestly, I, I like when a album has like a couple songs that are, you know, mix it up interlude type song or whatever, slow song, something like that. Even if it, or even like an ultra heavy song sometimes and mix it up. Yeah. Like, and, uh, go ahead. The new Northlane album, it has a song. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. I think it's called Nova or something. It just sounds like old Moby. <laughs> that was the first thing I heard yeah. when I listened to it. Yeah. And are they, they're doing a really good job with modernizing uh, metalcore, really taking it to like 
a level of like modern production and pushing things to other levels. And those are the type of stuff I always try to listen to. Uh, and people that are being creative and song structures and all that kind of stuff. That's why I love listening to like Rammstein. It's just creative sounds <laughs> and stuff that's unique. What'd you think of his newest video? Did you see that one? I haven't watched that one yet because I, I'm around my wife at all times. And I feel like if I watch that <laughs> and she sees my phone from the corner of the screen, cause I don't even, I'm just assuming what the video is going to be. So it's actually not as like raunchy as you think. It's pretty hilarious though. Is there just like boobs flying all over the place? I mean, they're like dressed in like traditional, like German, okay. you know, like dresses or whatever, but there's definitely lots of cleavage. <laughs> yeah. And she's, I'm just going to be trying to watch this video. I don't have to like turn my phone away. She's like, what are you watching? <laughs> she already won't let me watch Game of Thrones. Like she somehow thinks Game of Thrones is just porn the whole time. I mean, Kinda. The first few seasons kind of were, <laughs> then it got a little better. Yeah, and so like I, I don't want her to tell me I can't listen to Rammstein anymore. So I've been putting off that music video. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, but I, they just take it to another level, and they've always done that. And I'm just looking for anyone that is going to like play to a niche, and then stay in it. And that's that's always been my goal with the Browning. Like that's why I, I'll never take sense out of the Browning. The Browning will always be heavy. And I just like people are have asked or over the course of the years with labels or management or band members, like I I don't want to change anything. If I want to do something different, I'll just start another band or a, another project. You know, I want to stay in the niche and like be that niche forever um, unless I'm just going to start Definitely. something else. And um, I don't know what what do you because I feel like bands need something that is the reason people are going to listen to them. Like, I feel like if you want to hear something like the Browning, it's pretty much the only option until you get to like some German bands, like we better the bread of butter, Eskimo cowboy uh, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but even then the Browning is like a more serious version of that. So if you want to listen to that style, but you don't want it to be kind of cheesy or whatever, then the Browning is the option. What do you think it is yeah. about Silvercord that is the the reason that people are going to listen to you as opposed to someone else? Like, what's the goal there? See, that's actually what the goal for us on this next release is to kind of just dial in on that more. But I think it's kind of similar to what you said. Like, we have this this like synthy, pretty in the animate sound in a way, but then it's also like super heavy in moments. So, like, if you want something that's like a little more heavy, a little more synthy, but mm-hmm. also has like really melodic stuff. That's kind of, you know, I feel like there's not many bands like that as well. There's there's not a lot of bands that are uh, really going for the synth realm. Like there, there's a couple that are going at it, but not with like full on like synth work. Um, and I think I think it just adds so much to it. Yeah, I mean, another band that's like a huge inspiration for me is Loathe. Mm-hmm. And just, I'm a big fan like of a band creating like really unique soundscapes, you know, just the yeah. tone and the atmosphere and all that, just making it really unique and Definitely. personal, which you need that today, man. Like, I, I don't know about you, but I, I kind of like, uh, I'm hard to please nowadays in a way. I'm just like, if something sounds like, I've heard it a million times. I'm just like, eh. Yeah. 
can't do it, man. I can't listen to it unless it has like personality. Pretty much every big band, I I make it through about like 20, 30 seconds of the songs. Like I I like for real. I I'm like excited to try it and listen to it because people are seemingly excited online. But I'll listen to like 20, 30 seconds. I'm like, I can't even make it through the two and a half minutes of this. Like really. <laughs> and uh what are some like big bands that you don't like right now? Well, like, and or again, like that you can't get into. Either. Well, yeah. So, again, and none of this is hating because I'll I'll say it straight up. I know that any of these bands probably will not listen to the Browning because it's weird and like I don't think that people have to like each other's music to be friends. I think that's a weird. I agree, man. Connotation, like, hey, I think your music's weird. That's fine, but we're we're chilling, you know. Like it doesn't matter. Uh, and so like I personally cannot get into Lorna Shore's music on record. Um, it's very chaotic and it's very aggressive. Like there's a lot going on. It's very fast. <laughs> and if I'm like listening to music, <laughs> that's not really what I'm jamming to. But we just saw them at So What, and they crazy, insane live. Uh, like and but that's where I feel metal thrives is in the live environment um and seeing them live i was like holy crap like they really are on another level when it comes to that genre but i absolutely will not listen to their music (laughs) and you know i'm i like i like their drummer and their guitarist they were in the band when we toured with them really good dudes but yeah like i can't get into them uh on record live was really sick um like suicide silence dropped that new song and i was I was in that about 30 seconds and uh, you know, people were stoked. It was heavy, but there's just things about it that I think metal is very, very boring. I know they were trying to bring it back to like an older sound, but then I'm just like, well, I don't, I don't know. I just couldn't care about it either. (laughs) And I don't know that I would say that the, there's actually like more so bands that, I, I can listen through songs all the way through. Like one of the main ones that are big right now that I can do that with is Knock Loose. Whenever Knock Loose releases a song, it's it's chaotic. It's surprising at times. There's interesting like transitions and elements that keep me intrigued. Like they're a band that I can listen to like songs of. Um, but I don't know. It's I was pretty bored on pretty much every big release recently and that makes me feel bad but um maybe it's just overdone or maybe i'm just old and i'm i don't listen to metal as much and (laughs) i don't know it's it's weird i mean what about you how do you feel about all the all the big releases coming out no i feel you i'm not really big into born ashore either i mean like i'll listen to the songs i'm like that was pretty sick you know but it's not something i like jam on a regular basis i'm just not much into like deathcore or death metal nowadays as, as much as i used to be like like brand of sacrifice and a few others are just slaying the deathcore I, game i will now. say that brand of sacrifice listening to their stuff uh is does do really interesting stuff and the structures are unique and the vocals are he's doing different kind of stuff too musically it sounds different like that's something that's yeah. new and fresh. Like, and they have a lot of synth too. Like we were saying, it's like a lot of. Maybe I feel that's like that's I mean. like the key to making a new sound. You know. Yeah. There's a, a lot to be discovered and and 
added to metal through like electronics. And I, I personally feel like that's like the future of like advancing the sound as far as like progressive type metalcore, I guess, you know, there's obviously going to be like Kublai Khan and all those types of bands that just rely on like beating ass and it'll like never get old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but I just, I do think about it. And people joke about it all the time. Like, Oh, what are people going to be tuned to drop Z, you know, next, like whatever. But it's like, really, how can we make it heavier? Like what is the progression of heavy music? And I feel like electronic music has a lot of sounds and a lot of opportunity to do a new form of heavy. Like the stuff you can do synthetically is, uh, can be like super distorted, can be super low pitch, super heavy bass. It can be more bassy than all of that. It can be harder attack, harsher than guitars. Like electronic music has the opportunity to do the new form of heavy. Definitely. I mean, I meant to ask you earlier, how inspired by the doom soundtrack were you on new? Brown on the new stuff that was that was like <laughs> yeah. the only inspiration like if there was <laughs> it, i i always use the browning as my own inspiration like i don't know if that sounds douchey or what but i i do take influence from my own music because i try not to branch out into other people's realms too much because i just want to do what the browning does but it's hard for me to listen to doom and like what we're talking about right now as an electronics being like a forefront and electronics taking it to another level. The stuff that he does on doom is does take heavy music to another level with the electronics and with the atmosphere. And I've always been very into atmospheres. The Browning always has a synth pad in the background or choirs or strings or something back there. That's giving an ambience, but I had done melodic ambience, but I never did chaotic ambience and Doom does, Mick Gordon does this chaotic ambience that no one else has done in this realm at all. And so not only guitar tone wise and just aggressiveness in some of the songs, but tonality in the electronics and the atmosphere itself, 100% was influenced by Mick Gordon <laughs> and what he did. Dude, it's hard not to be. It's yeah. it just sounds so cool, and it's just one of those things where you hear it and you're like, "Holy shit, man, that's awesome! I want to do that." Like that's, like you said, it's the next level. I, I feel the same way. Yeah, and it you just it's just a way to create another like vibe in it, and um, you know, I think that in metal you have to have chaotic sounds. I think that it is important to have some semblance of chaos, um, even if it's something that's very melodic say i'm not a fan of this band but like dance gavin dance you know they're people get Ooh, really oh yeah well we're not gonna talk about any of that <laughs> but i'm just saying yeah, they're curving they're super chaotic uh and in the type of music it is like if you listen to it musically it's all over the freaking place and like back in the yeah. day they would have been seen as super heavy you know an aggressive band because it's so chaotic i think that uh in metal chaos is necessary um and especially with like stuff what i thought what i think it's so cool about like what mick gordon does or just with that soundtrack and what i am doing with the browning too is like there's a groove and there's like a constant groove to it but there's all this chaos happening in the headphones like the soundscape around it as well so you have this groove that's super heavy and constant but then you have all this stuff swirling around your head creating this chaotic environment 
Yeah, dude, we we actually have made it like a staple of our sound. We'll do the the pitch shift breakdowns, mm-hmm. and we have <clears throat> we have one on our EP for the song Never Sun. Like the outro of that song, it, it pitches to like C drop double C yeah. or whatever the heck I, I forget, but <laughs> it's it's just like so low. But then we also have this the a synth texture behind it to the same tuning. It's just adding like a wow, wow, wow. You know, like yeah. it just it just adds like a texture, another layer of like bass and heaviness to it. Yeah. And I th- I think it hits like so hard because of that. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, people do bass drops, and like the thing about metal is like the bass drop was always a little weird to me. You know, I was all about it. It was always weird that it's just like you get this huge blast of bass and then it's nothing, <laughs> right? Whereas like trap music is bass the whole time. So, like, couldn't metal, you know, bring some of that into it? Now, I know that, like, constant kick drums and double bass, that does add a lot of heaviness, but you could add an underlying tone of bass, like trap, and have this consistent low end. Yeah, that's like that that kind of fluttering, do-do-do-do-do, like, synth underneath things. We do that a lot, just... Absolutely. And it gives movement. It gives momentum. Like you could be doing uh, literally nothing. Like you could just have like a basic drum beat, but have the, 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 in the electronics and you have this momentum going, uh, like driving it forward. So I think it, I think electronics super important and maybe like all the bands I've mentioned that I, that I do enjoy have some sort of electronic or some sort of, you know, underlying tone that happens. And so, Maybe that is just something that really intrigues me. And the thing is, Lorna Shore is doing that with like the ambient guitars that are melodic while there's all this freaking crap, like chaotic drums and crazy stuff going on. Um, but it's just like a, a, a guitar with reverb is just that, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a guitar with Definitely. reverb, you know, it can only go so far to me. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like, have you heard of uh, Author and Punisher? Yes. Yeah, I actually wanted them to be on our tour coming up, but my agent was like, he only tours with like weird stuff. He won't tour with you. And I'm like, the Browning's <laughs> freaking weird. Come on, man. Add one more band to make it weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a sick tour. I would 100% be there, dude. If, so, I mean, if you want to tell them that. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about Author and Punisher? <laughs> And I, that's what I was just going to say, man, that it's so crazy to me, just like his whole setup and like the sounds he's creating. It's just, I've never heard like any kind of soundscape. Yeah. And for anyone that doesn't know original. Yeah. And for anyone that doesn't know author and Punisher, it's one dude that has this crazy weird mechanic setup going on. That's like, it's industrial metal. He's screaming the whole time super distorted and it's all electronic music that he's like pulling these levers and like it's like it's like it's like slamming metal and stuff yeah it's literally it's literally like slam electronic industrial music and uh, i haven't seen him live but i've had uh my old bassist colin and my roommate uh, luke my old roommate luke both saw him live and both separately said it was the heaviest thing they'd ever seen. I can imagine. I just, I can imagine it just crushes your soul live, dude, those, <laughs> those tones he makes. Yeah, it, it's all electronic music. Yeah, that new album is incredibly good. 
yeah. usually recommend that to anyone interested. Yeah. And I, and that's also another thing that like, I, I could not listen to a whole record of it, but I can hear it. And I'm like, this is pretty sick and it's interesting, but like that distorted of screams the whole time. <laughs> I can't handle it. <laughs> it's like a mood for sure. Yeah. Yeah. A, a very chaotic, like, I don't know, serial killer type mood. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just if you just yeah, if you just feel like in like in your head and feeling like seething or something, you know, <laughs> that's like that's basically what I imagine. Yeah, definitely. as far as like other electronic stuff though, like that's not as crazy and heavy. Like I love like Perturbator and like Carpenter Brute Gunship. Was, I'm really yeah. big into like the synth wave stuff. I was about to say Carpenter Brute. I, for anyone that doesn't listen to Carpenter Brute, listen to the the album Leather Teeth. Like that is an electronic album that is written by metalheads, and you can just hear it all throughout. I I don't know anything about those dudes, but I can listen to that and be like, those dudes like metal. Just like you can just tell. Yeah, and I think it's also one guy. I want to or mostly one guy i'm not sure i watched the live video there's definitely two dudes live but it could just be one guy writing it um because they do play live i think it's i think it's two guys on guitar i think they yeah. track everything else hell yeah man but yeah, be... they're, they're they're so interesting and it's so catchy and melodic but they do like electronic breakdowns i just i, I love carpenter brute i'm right there with you and i i think that the synthwave influence is cool, but I do think that it's become a little overdone in like a lot of metal bands. Um, but what I personally like to do is I like to take elements of these different genres that I like. Like I, I love European hardstyle dance music. I love synthwave. I love industrial and I love deathcore. And I kind of take all of it and pick out the pieces I like and kind of put it in at times. Like I don't want to just be synthwave the whole time. I don't want to just be deathcore. I want to kind of take these elements I like and put them together. And that's kind of how I took the Browning at the beginning too, was I really liked hard style dance music, but yeah, you will not freaking catch me listening to an hour long hard style mix. Not happening. <laughs> <laughs> it's just doom, 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 for, I can't do that. But I love the big buildups with these melodic, catchy synths, and then you hit into the chaotic techno, and then about 20 seconds of that, and I'm done. Hey, what's up? I'm catching you here in the middle of the episode to again remind you about moshvip.com slash thebrowning. You can pick up a VIP for this tour that is coming up, even if you're not going to a show. We are doing an online VIP uh, to where I will ship the merch directly to you, get this really sweet bundle and a personalized thank you video from me. And uh, it's this is the only time you can get this merchandise is through this VIP setup. And so go to moshvip.com slash the Browning. And again, Mosh VIP is a company started by me and Hardcore Keem to provide VIP stuff for all sorts of bands and connect their fans together no matter where they're at in the world. And so you don't even got to go to a show to pick up this VIP package. Uh, but during this tour is the only time you can get it. So moshvip.com slash the Browning. Pick it up and uh, yeah, appreciate you. And so I wanted to do mix the parts of these genres that I like in uh and because I don't know, I think I think things can be too overdone in almost a gimmicky way. 
Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, that's pretty much what I imagine. Like when someone says the browning, you know, I think of like heavy riff cuts into like the little electronic interlude, like you were saying, and yeah. it goes back into the heavy. And that's what creates like the unique sound is mixing those elements like that. And the this new album that you guys are working on, um, are you are you looking to you're looking to do more mixing of that kind of stuff to, to kind of find your your niche? oh yeah it's it's just another ep because you know i kind of want to see like yeah (laughs) just i want to see how they do as singles you know and because it it kind of is uh it's unfortunate you know like our sound was really reliant on our old guitarist who left the band like right before our ep dropped so that's that's been a little bit of a challenge for us is like writing riffs in the same vein but also like taking it to the next level but that's that's where we're like meeting it halfway with with like more synth and more focus on that i think it's sick i think it's more catchy i would say it's a little bit of a step back like instrumentally as far as like technicality and like riffing riffing goes but well i think it's more listenable yeah i think it's one of those things too um i think that bands should i don't know how to say this without sounding i don't know whatever who cares uh bands should like kind of know their lane uh like and stay in it i feel like i think that it's like i've always said it with the brownie people like oh it'd be sweet if you did a guitar solo i'm like why would i do a guitar solo when there's (laughs) bands out there that are shredding like why would i ever do that when someone else is doing it better like i'm gonna stay exactly in my lane and know what what i do best and so it's like I don't I don't think it necessarily matters if you guys step down technically cuz even like what you said what is the point of the band the technicality wasn't the point the the ambience and the heavy stuff and going between those was the point you know and so I don't think it matters if you tone it back cuz that's not that's not your your alley that's not the lane that you guys were yeah. doing you know and so I'm interested to hear it I mean I I love anything that involves uh, adding sense into stuff and trying to push metal into that that route and so very excited for it do you think that there's any bands right now um excluding the browning not even that the browning would be up there but that are taking synths like to that level we've talked about north lane uh but like who else dude i mean north lane definitely comes to mind you guys for sure i, I listened to the y'all's new album like as soon as it dropped uh there's like loathe who i mentioned earlier it's kind of a different realm of synth but it's like still taking that really creepy like shoegaze older sounding synth and let me think dude eskimo cowboy or what are they called now (laughs) electric Electric. cowboy now yes that's correct uh they're i think they're pretty catchy they're not, not like a band i can jam all the time like you said but I, I think their videos and their music's like pretty entertaining. Yeah, I just hope they don't get stuck in that. Like that's like yeah, they found a niche, but I feel like it's like, oh, you need to get out of that like at some point. Like I hope that that's not just all because <laughs> I love their. They music. have been pretty much the same. Yeah, and I, but I love their more melodic, softer songs. Like I, I love that stuff that they do, and so I hope that they don't just have to stay in that like too directly. And so I hope that because they're as far as bands go, like bands I've toured with, they are my favorite people. 
and I respect that band more than anything. And they, I'm so stoked that they've had crazy success, but, um, I do hope that they get back to some of the older sounds that they were doing. Uh, that was a little more, you know, surprising and interesting. To yeah. Me. Um, absolutely love those dudes, but quick question. You said you listened to the Browning album whenever it came out and I haven't, I didn't ever asked anyone about this or put anyone on the spot of this, but what did you, did you think about the new Browning album? Compared well, to like, like I said earlier, stuff. like, dude, so basically what happened don't blow was no, I started don't jamming. Blow smoke. Don't blow any smoke. I want to know straight up. <laughs> no, this is a play-by-play of what happened. I started jamming the new album. I was like, damn, this shit fucking slaps. It sounds like some uh, the Doom soundtrack. I mean, it was that's yeah. like, I sent it to my little brother, and I was like, bro, new Browning slaps. It has some Doom vibes. And just went from there, man. Just started jamming it. Which I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, that's just yeah. like the first thing that came to mind, it's it especially like the album cover. Yeah, I just it's it's so. interesting to think because you said you listened to it from like you listened to the Browning since the first album, and uh, do you? So many bands fall into this realm, and. I don't. I don't feel like personally the Browning falls exactly into this realm, but maybe it does. But stuff like we were talking about Suicide Silence or say Whitechapel or whoever, like these bands that have been around for a while. Why do you think it is that people pretty much only care about old stuff? Dude, that's. I don't really know. I I personally wonder that a lot, especially like north lane and stuff you know those people are just so caught in the past yeah i i think there's kind of like two types of bands i think there's a band that finds a sound and is just like really good at that sound and they kind of stick to it and have like their signature august sound and yeah and you know it's like every album you put it on you're like that's august burns red you know yeah and then I, i think there's bands I keep using North Lane as an example, but I, they're my favorite band like ever probably. Yeah. So they, you know, they have albums that change like drastically each release and it's crazy successful for them. So, I mean, if you can do that, if you can manage to like write a different sounding album and still retain a fan base and like have it sound like your band, personally, that's kind of like a goal of mine. Like, down the road, I kind of, I don't know. We'll see how it goes, you know? We'll just see how what, what happens. I, I don't really necessarily want to stick to a sound, yeah. but I don't necessarily want to branch two out. I kind of just want to, like what you said earlier, use the Browning as your own inspiration. That, that's like, that, I love to hear that because that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm just like following Silvercord, yeah. and I just want it to become like its own thing. Yeah, and I mean, I think that bands can evolve in certain ways. I don't I hate it whenever people use the word mature because I don't think there's anything immature about playing heavy stuff. I don't think it's um, more mature to play softer music. I just think that, I don't know, people say that and I really don't like when they say that, oh, this is a more mature record. And I just think it's like, yeah, you just don't want to play heavy stuff. That doesn't mean you're maturing. Uh, But (laughs) like it's, uh, I think the bands can evolve in certain ways, but it just has to be done right um, like I think Bring Me the Horizon did it right. I think that they slowly started implementing more melodics like over the course of a couple of records. Like um I just think that they they were really heavy 
really aggressive and then like on the um on one of the records they had a couple in there that he was still screaming but there was some soft parts that he was screaming over you know <laughs> and they just yeah. started teasing it to where now it's like yeah they can literally put out anything but they're another one of those bands that i think that the septernal album was like uh the septernal and then uh that's the spirit i think those two records were the perfect combination of them being aggressive but becoming more melodic and rock but i think now it's like too much just in the rock structure to where it's like you can predict the song from the first second um but yeah they've reached the radio now basically and that's that's like that's probably their goal yeah i mean at some point you're like i've never had that level of success so i couldn't tell you like what level of money starts coming in at that point uh to be like yo that's tight let's do that forever you know (laughs) yeah we're with machine gun kelly now that's like yeah (laughs) yeah exactly and it's like um there's multiple tiers to bands there's like there's opening bands that are getting 100 a night then there's like medium tier bands that are getting like that 500 to a thousand then there's higher tier bands that are like the twenty five hundred to you know five six thousand dollars a night, and then it like immediately jumps to like twenty to fifty thousand dollars a night, and that is a level that I I know for a fact the Browning won't reach that. It, I can't imagine a world where something like that could ever happen. Um, but once I get if if anything ever happened that made us get to that $20,000 a night band, I would be doing that forever. (laughs) Like I would be like, what sound made that happen? And I would not stop doing it. You know, I think a lot of people fail to realize that or like, don't see it from that perspective. Yeah. And they just like, they sold out. (laughs) Like they didn't really sell out. They made it like they made a career and like they're, they made success, you know, like they, yeah. They got big enough to sell out. I yeah. would too. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's like they clearly are doing a sound that they like to, uh, and they slowly got there over time. It's not like they, uh, you know, not to call anyone out, but pull a NASA and Alexandria where it was just like, hey, look, we're a rock band now. And oh, wait, no, Danny's a country singer now. Like it's, it, it wasn't <laughs> like that situation. Uh, you know, Bring the Eyes and did it over the course of time. And so I can respect the gradual change and it felt, you know, proper. I, I, I did like that change, I, even though I don't listen to him anymore. <laughs> yeah, they kind of went a little too far from me. <laughs> what do you feel about like being a vocalist? Because um, your vocals, you're, you're doing, you know, some powerful screams, uh, not necessarily going to the realm that a lot of vocalists that are getting popular right now are. Um, and I also haven't gone to that realm as well. What do you think about everyone doing like these tunnel vocals and these crazy <laughs> vocals and whatnot? I mean, I, I think it's pretty cool, man. I, I personally, like I have like messed around with that stuff and I could do it. It's just not like how I want to sound, you know, it's clearly a huge trend right now, but that's just, I don't know. I've never wanted to be like, trying to sound like a pig a pig or whatever the, the garbage <laughs> disposal thing it yeah. it just doesn't fit silver cord either so i mean yeah but then, i will say like the creativity of like finding 
your own type of like scream or technique. That's something that I'm really interested in. So, I mean, I'm trying to find ways on our new release to, to sound unique and different. And even if that's like layering or like weird effects and stuff. Yeah. And I think it's, um, it's one of those trends that will just come and go very quickly, probably. Um, but I, I don't know. It's it's definitely going to get overdone. Uh, but I I feel the same thing. I think it only works with certain things, and it can be put out of place. That's like I do. I'll do some random gutter rolls on the Browning, but I'm not going to be or a random big squeal like, but very like faintly, you know. Or I'll do them live just for fun. But it's it's certain sounds just don't fit certain projects. But I do feel like those vocalists get a lot of attention whenever they're doing that kind of stuff, and it's like. It it makes me wonder, like, what in the modern world creates a vocalist that can get that sort of attention? Um, and is it something that you should focus on as a band to be able to grow in the modern world? Is making the vocalists crazy vo- vocals be, like, the point? Um, and, I mean, like, Pale Face, do you know Pale Face? Yeah, I've seen them around. I honestly haven't really listened to them yet. Yeah, he's not doing, like, pig squeals and gutturals he's just doing extremely fast fast vocals <laughs> and it's like Word. and it's just uh you gotta listen to it because like part of it sounds fake but then they post videos of him doing it like live uh and not like the fake live like real live um and it's it's pretty crazy what he's doing and so do you think there's some way that with the style that you guys are and that your vocals are because I, I kind of view it as more of like a kind of the ghost inside, how it's like a pretty straightforward scream that just gets the point across and is powerful. Do you think they're like that you as a vocalist is what can carry the band to being popular? Uh, dude, I mean, after like releasing the EP and seeing a lot of the compliments, we get a lot of compliments on our, our bassist, our singer Dylan, who's also our basses, yeah, he gets a lot of compliments like for his singing, and we get a lot of compliments about um, like how we compliment each other. Yeah, so okay, I think that's the cool concept, you know. And we've uh, we've started trying to do more like layering of singing and screaming in some parts mm-hmm. to kind of kind of create like a almost like that architects type. Yeah. raspy like heavy but also melodic like the pitch scale. yeah yeah those but, those are the one vocals that absolutely destroy my voice like i can do them. it's so hard man yeah it's i can do them but like whenever i'm on tour and if i lose my voice it's from doing that or yelling at the crowd it's never from doing like my screams it's from <laughs> yelling and i can only get that sound by yelling at the top of my lungs yeah so that's why i can't i have to rely on him to like hit those and he only hits them like during the choruses you know so he's not blasting his throat out for a whole set it's just for like 20 short little time period but like to answer your question though i i have a lot more in me vocally like that i know it sounds weird but like recording the ep i kind of just wanted to have like a tight scream and not go like too crazy with it and almost like save, save some tricks up my sleeve, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so definitely on the next release, I'm going to branch out and get a little more technical and mix it up. 
Definitely. I mean, you don't ever want to do like less than you did before. So it's good to save some stuff to, to be more than you were, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, um, you had mentioned TikTok earlier. Are you guys trying to use that to leverage attention? Dude, that is something that is like, we should be using a lot more. And that's something our label wants us to, to start doing. So that's like, actually a big priority for us as a band we do the the instagram reels more and those are we've had some like really good success just with you know like a little riff playthrough video yeah yeah I don't, like, I, like i i understand why tiktok does well but like part of me maybe as a freaking boomer just doesn't want to do it like, <laughs> dude I, it's just like the fact that I've been so ingrained with like Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. Basically like the, those few apps for like 10 years. Yeah. And then my brain just has a hard time like adding TikTok to the mix. Like get on TikTok, you know, I just, I don't think about it, but I'm yeah. really trying to. Yeah. It's like those necessary evils. I mean, even Instagram, it's, it's hard for me to get on enough and post like, you know, I, I, it's hard it's hard for me to keep up and you know as we all got someone especially the past couple of years like music kind of like fell off of the my radar slightly you know and it's it was 100 percent of my life up until everything got shut down and then it for a long time of the past couple of years it like wasn't even a thought at times you know and so Growing my Instagram didn't pop into my brain, you know, posting on Facebook yeah. didn't pop into my brain. And it's kind of hard to get back to that. I will say that the reels on Instagram are a game changer. Like people should be doing that a lot, especially if they're trying to grow their band. Like yeah. Just starting out like for, for you, you know, you guys have a huge following already. So I mean, it. I'm sure it would help still. But yeah, I probably got to post like vocal videos and stuff like that. I should get on it. Really. <laughs> yeah, it's once you start doing it though, man, and like kind of seeing that it is like the current form of media, it kind of feels good. Like, for instance, you know, we paid like three grand for those music videos, each music video, and put it on YouTube. Spend some ad money. It gets like fifteen thousand views with two hundred likes. 50 comments or something just then then you take like 30 minutes to make a a riff or vocal video and post it on instagram and it gets like double the reaction right so in some sense it's just like dang you know that that's way more bang for your buck like that that would cost you zero dollars to make and it net you like twice the the growth than right. the actual music video did. So it's yeah. kind of crazy. They actually went into a whole thing with this record release. Like we didn't release a music video. I did like two lyric videos. Cause I just, I don't know if how worth music videos are anymore. It's, um, I think it, it is more important to be doing this like smaller personal interaction. And I, I, you know, was being a little stubborn yeah. of being like, I'm not going to do, a standard video i want to do all this crazy stuff and then you know you're with one of the biggest labels and i'm like well we're not giving you money for that and i'm like okay <laughs> like, <fair. laughs> but it's, Dude, it's kind of sad in a way because yeah. i personally like i love music videos and i love yeah. making them and i love having like that big piece of art to go with it but yeah. the fact that it's just like not as worth it unless you're a band that has like thousands to spend on the video and marketing and stuff i mean even like 
with, you know, I'm with Universal and we get like a $10,000 budget. And even with $10,000 budget for a video, I mean, literally pretty much the only thing to do is a standard, like in a room, standing there video, even for yeah. 10 grand. And it's like, sounds like a lot, but it's that yeah, that's really not for a music video yeah, nowadays. Exactly. And so like the videos I'm proposing, they're like, well, we would need like $50,000 <laughs> for that. And I'm like, <laughs> the struggle, dude, I, trust me. I'm like, I need this. We need like a fucking movie for each video. And they're just like, dude, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah. And, and I went, I was like, okay, I'll, I, then I want to do full animated. Like I just want to do an animated video and uh this youtuber i like he has uh, a music project look up the song sky nut um it's like sky net but nut and <laughs> so yeah look up the video for sky nut i reached out to the company that made that video for him and they quoted me a hundred thousand dollars and i was just like yeah dude god <laughs> like, okay i'll uh sell my truck i'll sell the camper i'll just <laughs> you know fair i'll get this three minute video done and animation is crazy nowadays i mean yeah the amount of money and time it costs to do it for sure i kind of get it yeah and and that was one thing too is like whenever we were even talking about it they're like we're we need like six months to do that something like that and it just it all but i didn't want to do a standard thing like i i think at a certain point like early in a band's career um I think it's really important to do that stuff so that people can see your face. They can learn you. They can do, you know, they can know who the band is. But, like, after how many videos and how long is the band around that, like, they don't need to see your face? That's how I feel about it. And it's like, I also don't think the Browning, like, looks cool as people. Like, <laughs> I don't think that we're, like, <laughs> uh, one of those bands that's, like, people want to see, like, physically. Uh, and so it's like, I don't want to just have me standing there screaming I, I think people have seen it enough i think for a band in your perspective it's important so they can know the band um yeah but for me i was just like who cares that's just that's how i feel yeah about in retrospect i mean i probably would have done like one less or maybe even just one music video and put all the, that money into marketing instead yeah but you know it's all learning yeah do one video and like and yeah, and one thing I even offered about the whole animation thing, I was like, okay, take the budget, make like, do like a half animated video or animate one minute and then do the rest as just like a stagnant video, you know? But even that I couldn't get done. Like, <laughs> is, is it Dude, I think, <laughs> I think for what I could see the Browning doing, honestly, is like one of those kind of funny, silly, like Tim and Eric-esque type videos. True. Y'all should do something like that. I should. Zero budget. Just like rent a hotel room. That's it. And then just, just figure like it out. <laughs> the shittiest editing on purpose. Yeah. There we go. Especially you know, now that we got uh, Keen. <laughs> yeah, that's that's perfect, dude. I, I forgot about that. I was going to bring that up, too. That's awesome, dude. He reacted to some of our songs, and I was like, hell yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> dude, uh, do you know Bill Murray, that band yes. right now? Yeah. Yeah. He has like the most hilarious music videos in the game i'd say i haven't watched any of his newer stuff bill murray is the uh, original singer from attack attack um yeah johnny frank yeah and so i remember when he first came out it was like he was like making fun of all the band's music videos and like had pieces of their their music videos and it kind of poking fun at like metalcore 
And yeah. I thought that was great. And so I need to check out the new stuff because he was at So Wet Fest as well. Yeah, he's great, dude. You'll la- you'll get a laugh out of the videos. I'll need to. Yeah, and I think the Browning. Uh, I think one thing. I I don't think people thought the Browning was a serious band for a long time uh, because we did, especially in like the the early 2010s. Uh, people thought we were just a meme page because we kind of were. Like all we did was post memes like nonstop, and so I was like, yeah, back in the rings of Saturn. Exactly. Yeah, we were just spamming memes, and it would get a bunch of interaction. I mean, we had meme like every week. We were at like ten million reach, like nonstop with these memes. And so we're just like spamming memes. Then we'd post a tour, and people would be like, "Wait, you're a band? What?" And (laughs) so it's like I. I I always wondered if people actually thought the Browning was serious, but then whenever they see it live, they're like, "Oh yeah, it's pretty serious." <laughs> yeah. And uh, but like, how like do you think the bands can take themselves too seriously? Like with your band, um, with Silvercord, like you, your video, especially the one for Never Bloom has or Never Sun, uh, has a um pretty serious content matter. It seems. Yeah, I mean, we tried to be pretty serious on this EP. You know, we tried to have like a consistent look and sound and mm-hmm. everything. But in the future, you know, I, I we've always talked about making like a goofy video of some sort, something to make people laugh and show them that we aren't taking ourselves too seriously. Well, I guess maybe that's where like the personal side of like Instagram stories can come in. Like maybe. Yeah, that the, too. Yeah, I think I think that would make the most sense. Uh, for like a serious band but do like show them your personality on the socials I think that makes a lot of sense definitely yeah but that's the way to do it yeah and I mean I think you guys got a lot going for you very fresh band very new Um, and I like the name as well Silver Court it's a good name Uh, and does the name itself has meaning it does actually it's a it's a term that's like it's actually in the bible but a lot of like religious texts, but it basically the silver cord connects like your physical body to the astral body. And then when you die, supposedly the silver cord is severed and it's like your soul separates from your body. That's even better. That's an even better name. That's sick. <laughs> yeah. I, I really wanted something with meaning that kind of tied into my old band. It was called the Akashic record, which is like, the, the akashic plane and stuff so i you know i i don't think band names uh need like a really good meaning meaning i think they just need to sound good and your guys names sound good but that's a that's a sick meaning too so that's probably one of the better band names i've known of in a while so silver cord that's awesome man yeah that's sick love it definitely check out all the music videos they got up um and because they're really good videos too some good the high quality like and paying only three grand for that i've i've never had a music video that good and we've had triple the budget <laughs> and so yeah you guys did good on those dude um bob Mc- robert mccoy bob mccoy uh-huh. goes by bob sometimes he's based up in pennsylvania so he's heck a yeah. great dude rmc films heck yeah but i appreciate you talking to me we're gonna get we got to get you on again when you guys got the new music coming out and um what's your instagram and everything that people can go check you instagram is slash silver cord tx i think facebook is slash silver cord band mm-hmm. 
yeah so perfect and we got you know spotify all that so heck yeah. yeah dude it's been super awesome talking to you really appreciate you having me on heck yeah i'll be hitting you up here soon i'm actually in fort worth right now i don't even i don't know why we didn't do this in person <laughs> that would have been maybe next time <laughs> next time definitely <laughs> all right i'll see you later dude all right man you take care peace 